Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Our precious Heavenly Father, we do thank you now for the Word that's alive within us. We thank you for the Spirit's anointing that is upon the Word. I thank you that the Word will go forth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I thank you for enlarging our capacities to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability in all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I thank you that each and every one of us have receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds as we channel ourselves now to receive from thy word. And as we hear, we'll take heed as to what we hear and how we hear. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and Amen. We've been discussing somewhat the subject of prayer. Now, it seems as though we're going to get in length in our discussion. So we're just going to take it slow and easy, relax. I'm not going anywhere till Jesus comes. How about you? You going anywhere till Jesus comes? Amen. Miles, just take it easy and just enjoy the Word, the Spirit, the anointing, the love of God. We are told in 1 Timothy concerning prayer that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For all men, for all in authority, for kings. The reason why we pray is because God would have us to lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty is one reason. But also so that many would come to know the truth. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, this is very important that we see this right here. God is not willing that any should perish. That's a reason why we should pray, supplicate, intercessions, prayers, giving of thanks be made for all men. Because why? Because God's not willing that any should perish. See, there are prayers that we can pray that will help individuals so that they don't perish but also that they come to the knowledge of the truth. See, there are many that are saved that have not yet, as of yet come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my words, then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. You can't know the truth unless you continue in the word. And then the truth shall set you free. See? And it's his will that we all come to a place of salvation and then come to the knowledge of the truth. Deception is a very subtle thing. Very subtly, many have been taught doctrines that are really nothing more than vain babblings that Paul said to avoid these doctrines. For an example... He said, there have some already come teaching that the resurrection is already past. 
That's an erroneous doctrine. But yet, they destroyed the faith of many by preaching that doctrine. There are some that are preaching today that tongues have ceased. That is an erroneous doctrine. It cannot hold up under close investigation of the Scriptures. It is a doctrine, as far as I'm concerned, of devils. Because what is deceit to present as truth that which is a lie? Well, you say, but doesn't the Bible say tongues shall cease? Yes. It also says knowledge shall vanish away in the same text. And knowledge has not vanished away, so obviously tongues have not ceased. Very simple reasoning. But then they try to build more doctrines on that also. Well, when it comes to prayer, I believe we need to be educated. And we need to understand how to pray. I believe that we can receive this direction to our spirits if we will not only search the scriptures, but pray so that the feebleness of our minds, the inabilities we have in the flesh to produce results can diminish and our understanding as to how we should pray for those individuals that are lost and out of the will of God would be enlightened. See, the Bible says over there in Romans eight twenty six, the Spirit Himself takes hold together with us against our inabilities to produce results. And He makes groanings or intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered with articulate speech. Because He that searches the mind, the heart rather, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so we see that the Spirit of God in the realm of the Spirit knows how to pray or what to pray for in individual cases where we may be darkened in our minds. We may be feeble-minded. We you know, may encounter inabilities to produce results. And, of course, results are not forthcoming. And then, instead of investigating the Word and, and staying before the Father in prayer to find out what we need to do, we just go off and say, well, it's not the will of God. They mustn't, you know, God mustn't want them delivered or whatever. And that's not true. See, there's more than one type of prayer in the Bible. In persevering prayer, the prayer of intercession is a part and parcel of the gospel. And in many instances, you see, all we want is an, well, actually, just like an instant, you know, manifestation or an instant answer to a prayer. And if it doesn't come instantly, then, of course, we don't want to persevere in faith and in prayer. Well, we're going to show you that these different types of rules that apply to intercession are necessary. We need to understand them so that we're not just praying in the sky, to the sky, not just praying wildly without getting direction. I believe that a lot of our intercessions would be complete made perfect if we would take time to learn how to listen to what God's speaking to us while we're interceding. See, that's an inability. That's an infirmity. Our minds... How many of you have been in prayer and your mind just didn't want to be set on the things of God? You're over there praying in other, in other tongues or in the Spirit for some individual thing or whatever. But your mind begins to wander. Well, you see what's happening. Our mind's not set on things above. 
It's not set on the things of the Spirit. We're trying to reason things out in our mind to get answers up here. And sometimes it just wanders off and, you know, gets involved in the things of the day. What you did at work, etc. Well, see, that's an, that's an infirmity that we have. And the Spirit will help us to overcome that infirmity. And in the realm of the Spirit, we can get direction to our spirit so that we can know what to pray for or what to do in each circumstance. See, that we're involved in. Now, let's start out by saying that some people will be saved just by hearing the gospel. Some people will be filled with the Holy Ghost because you spoke to them the Word. And they see it and they get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Some will be healed because you took to them the Word, they got the Word, they heard what the Word said, they saw it, they got faith and they got healed. But many will never get saved, many will never get healed, many will never get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues unless somebody intercedes for them. Unless somebody stands the gap for them. Unless somebody goes to the Father on their behalf. They don't go to the Father through that individual. That's wrong. You go to the Father for somebody. And unless somebody does that, they may never get healed. They may never be filled. They may never get saved. They may never stand complete in all the will of God. They may never be delivered from that condition that they're in. Unless somebody intercedes on their behalf. You see, look at Genesis, the first scripture I asked you to turn to. In chapter 18. Intercession is really in two directions. Intercession or an intercessor is one that pleads another's case before God. But it's also one that stands against the forces of darkness. And we can see two thoughts here. True intercession or true prayer then will bring divine power or divine forces into manifestation. True intercessory prayer will bring into manifestation the divine presence of God. That power will be set in motion in the behalf of an individual's life because of another individual. See, the power of God will be set in motion. Divine and supernatural intervention will come because somebody is praying. When that somebody stops praying, then that intervention stops flowing. This is not a prayer of, I prayed it yesterday... And I believed I received an answer to prayer for somebody else. That's not intercessory prayer. Here's where we need to have instruction in prayer. We are not in that person's body. We're not inside that person's heart. We don't know what's going on inside. We don't know the battle that they're encountering. All we know is that they're not being complete in all the will of God. And, and, and it seems as though they're not receiving the word when it's being spoken to them. So something is wrong. And we need to go to the Father on their behalf to start to set in motion the power of God. To get angels operating to get the power of the Holy Spirit operating. To begin to allow their minds to be open to the revelation of the truth. But then on the other hand, 
true intercessory prayer also will come against the forces of evil. Not only is it communion with God, but it's also coming against the forces of evil. It'll hold back. I think a better way to say it is intercession, true intercession will hold back the forces of evil. You see, if that individual was dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, then there would already be a shield around them holding back. That's the grace of God, holding back the forces of evil. See, the Bible says that the wicked one would not touch us if we keep ourselves from evil, if we walk in, in his love, keep ourselves free from sin. Then the wicked one has no hold on us. He will not touch us. Well, when you're not in prayer for yourself, praying, you know, for yourself, using the, the power of prayer, the privilege of prayer, well, then the adversary can gain advantage over you. And if you don't exercise your right and authority in prayer, then you see, God's will is not going to be wrought in your life. You need somebody else to come and begin to intercede for you. To get the power of God operative, but number two, to hold back the forces of darkness. Like a shield, to hold them back. See, you're not using your shield of faith. Now, that's if you're a believer. If you're a non-believer, they're not using anything. They're hopeless and helpless. See, some you could just take them the, the gospel just like that, and boom, they get saved. But this other one over here, you take them the gospel, and they don't really accept it. Well, does that mean we give up on them? No. Well, here in chapter 18 of the book of Genesis, we find in verse 33 that intercession, number one, is with God, praying with God. And a better way to say it is communion with God. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing. I want you to see something here. See, we've almost been led to think in Pentecostal circles that intercessory prayer is praying in other tongues as fast as you can. We've almost abused Romans 8.26, just, just, just start taking off in other tongues and go as fast as you can. Well, see, it's almost like someone got to get a hold of you and shake and say, hold on for a minute. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. You're supposed to be communing with God. And I do believe that a, that a major part or a large part of our intercession, praying with other tongues, is really to get us to a place where we can start to hear God. To build us up to activate spiritual forces, divine forces in our life, so that we can become more in tune with, with what God is doing. And then we get settled down before God. Then He can start speaking to our hearts. See, prayer does not change God. Prayer changes you and me. Prayer changes us. You see that? Prayer changes us. He's always speaking. He's always ready to give out. He's already ready to contact us to let us know what to do for so-and-so. But we're, you know, caught up in our own affairs. And so we begin to just enter into this thing, but we don't go far enough because we start praying and thinking, well, it's going to happen right here. I guarantee you, most of the time, the people start getting in that area, get into the air of the imagination, just hearing all kinds of things from God just immediately. Because, you see, perseverance is a part of our prayer life, and persevering in prayer is not fun. Your body doesn't want to do it. 
Your mind doesn't want to do it. But, in, in, in number one, intercession is, and you might want to write this down. See, an intercessor is one who pleads another's case before God. Or one who stands against the forces of darkness for somebody else. But intercession, see, that was an intercessor. Intercession is, com, number one, communing with God. Communing with God. And then I say number two is wrestling with the adversary. And not only with the adversary, but wrestling with ourselves. We might as well just go ahead and say it like it is. Intercessory prayer is also going to, be, also going to involve wrestling with yourself. When I say yourself, I'm talking about your, your mind, your flesh. Crucify that flesh. Because you see, you don't want to... Your flesh, my flesh, our flesh doesn't want to pray. Jesus said men ought always to pray. He says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's why he says set your mind on things above. Because when you, your mind, you start praying, your mind wants to wander. It doesn't want to stay set on things above. Fix it, locate it, get it established, set it on things above. It wants to just float off. So you see, there's a struggle there. There's a struggle in prayer there. And a lot of it, I believe, is conditioning us to come in contact with Him. And if we're more sensitive to His leading and guidance and direction, I believe that those infirmities Romans 8.26 is talking about would become fewer. And we'd have direction coming to us where we can readily do exactly what God would have us to do. Well, here we see that Abraham was interceding, and this is very important, he wasn't interceding for the righteous. He said, would thou not spare the cities if there be 50 righteous? He said the cities, didn't he? So, you see, he was interceding for the lost. And I can show that to you throughout the whole thing, because when he finally got down to 10, if there be 10, would you spare the city? He's communing with God. He said, the Lord says, yeah, if there's 10, I'll spare the city. Well... There, there wasn't ten. And the Lord went his way, and as soon as he had left communing. I want you to see something here. He left communing with Abraham. This does not say that Abraham gave up. They got to a place where they've left communing. I believe that there was something left out here. I really believe that. I believe it wasn't revealed to us as such, but it is in the next chapter. Because if Abraham was only interceding for the righteous... I want you to notice in chapter 19, you start reading right on through there, you find out that a couple of angels came down to get the righteous out of the city. Didn't they? And if you allow me to give you my own opinion, and then you don't take it for what it's worth, but probably right when they were just at the end of their communing and interceding, if you want to call it that, Abraham probably says, well, if there's not ten righteous, would you at least get the righteous out of the city? Probably says, okay, I'll send a couple of angels down there and get them out. Because that's exactly what happened. Didn't it? So you see, intercessory prayer is not just, just praying and praying and praying and praying. Intercessory prayer is communing with God. And speaking with Him. And you see, together you find out what's going on and then you begin to, to work out the situation. And many times people just don't wait long enough before God to get some answers so that we know exactly what to do in the situation. Do you see what I'm saying? So that we know exactly what to do. 
There's where our inabilities or our infirmities come in. We've got the answer. It's right here. And you can apply it in your life. But you see, the, the infirmity is, how do I get it over to sister so-and-so? How do I help brother so-and-so? That's why Paul said, would to God, if I could, I'd be accursed so that Israel could be saved. So would to God, but I can't do that. See, he was burdened down with the lost state of Israel. And he said, my prayer for Israel is that they would be saved. He was praying for them to be saved. It's the same thing here with Abraham. But intercessory prayer in this respect is communing with God. See, sometimes, you know, we don't have to just get in tongues. We can just walk before the Father's presence and say, Now, Father, I want you to know that uh, John over here, you know, Brother John. Well, there's some problems over here. Uh, Father, is there anything I can do to help out? See, prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. And he may speak to your heart and say, yeah, here's exactly what you do. But if you don't say anything, don't just try to imagine something. Don't try to imagine something. I remember one time I was, I was uh, well, first of all, my father began to pray for my, my uncle. My brother tried to take the gospel to my uncle. And both of them couldn't do it. He rejected it. Both times he rejected it. He said, I don't want to hear none of this business. He was in a mental, you know, state hospital for many years of his life. Very intelligent man. And uh, spent many years in a state institution. Brilliant, intelligent, but just had a nervous breakdown. And they tried to, to uh, he's in a, he was in a halfway house at this time. He, you know, they said he wasn't as bad that he had to stay in that state institution. But they tried to get him saved. See, they want, they, they want to get him saved. But you see, they just couldn't get him to accept the word or receive the word. Now, this is so important. I want you to hear this. It's so important. I am nobody special. I'm nobody special. God doesn't just do things for me. He doesn't for everybody. There's no respect. He's no respect to persons. He has no favorites in his family. And when he was over, I think it was on a Thanksgiving or a holiday, at my parents' house, I sat down in a chair. I went over to him one time and I... I just, just to find out where he was at about the gospel. And he responded in the beginning just like he did to my, my brother and my father. He said, I don't want to talk about any, any of that. I don't want to hear about it. And so I sat down in that chair next to him. And he was sitting in that chair over there next, you know, by my side. And uh, it just seemed like I just sat there and I just looked over. And something on the inside, it's hard to describe, just something on the inside of me hurt. And I was hurting for him on the inside. And uh, I just simply said to the Father, Father. Now see, some wouldn't classify this as intercessory prayer, but it is. And some might not classify this as groaning, but I'll tell you what, it was like a sigh I had inside me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I said, Father, surely there's got to be some words I could put together to reach him. Something I can say can reach him so he can be saved. I don't want him to be lost. And it was just like I'm just talking to you right now. I said, bind that spirit that blinds his mind. See, communing, communing with God. 
communing with God. And so I did. I bound that spirit that was blinding his mind from receiving the light of the gospel. And then it was getting time for us to go. And I went over to him and I said, uh, Uncle Bruno, I said, we've got to go. I talked to you previously when I first came about the gospel and uh, wanted to know if you'd pray with me. Would you pray with me now before I go? He said, yeah. Yeah, I want to. And I mean, he just right there just accepted Jesus into his heart. Now, aren't we looking for results? Isn't that what we're looking for is results? But you see, that was one way a result came. But that doesn't mean everybody I sit next to and say, I bind that spirit in Jesus' name, that's going to happen. Because that was being spirit-led. That's exactly what the Spirit of God said that I had to do for him. And at that moment, that's exactly what worked. You say, well, what if it, that didn't, you know, what if he just said do something else? Well, then I had to do something else. See, there's where we need to be directed by the Spirit of God. And when it comes in dealing with other people's lives, God knows them better than we do. He knows what's going on in that life better than I know. And so you see, we need to get direction. We need to commune with God in prayer. That's what I'm saying. We need to intercede and commune with God in prayer so that we can be led by the Spirit of God as to what we should be doing in certain circumstances. Now, on the other hand, there is... In, let's go to Daniel. I told you that, you know, I'd asked you to turn to Daniel, chapter 10. On the other hand, there's interceding against the forces of darkness. And really, it's holding back the forces of darkness or restraining evil influence. That's another way we can say it. Restraining evil influence or evil forces. Now, in many cases, individuals are under the pressure of evil influence and... Since we don't see the realm of the Spirit, we don't know what's going on in that realm, sometimes we think, well, we should just pray this here prayer and they should get it. If they don't get it, we'll forget it. Let's go on to somebody else. But there's a warfare that's going on in the realm of the Spirit. And wrestling or struggling or striving or laboring against the forces of darkness is part of our prayer life. Those same influences, those same spirits that endeavor to influence those people are also out there to influence you. That's why he says, if you see a brother who is in error, go to him in the spirit of meekness, lest the same thing come on you. Why? Because you're susceptible to the same spirit. Do you see that? You go in the spirit of pride and arrogance and maybe that spirit come on you. Do you see that? So go in the spirit of meekness so that you're going in divine power and you're not going to be influenced by that evil power. Well, here we see, and remember we use our scriptures in Colossians chapter 4. There's also another scripture in, in Romans 15 and verses 30 and 31 that talks about Paul asking the church to strive in prayer with him. To strive in prayer. Just like Epaphras was striving or laboring fervently in prayer so that the church at Colossae would be complete in all the will of God. Well, Paul said, I, I'm asking you to strive with me or for me in prayer so that I and my ministry can become effective. So, you see, he needed the, the body to strive or to, 
to intercede with him, to labor with him and for him in prayer so that his ministry can be effective and have effect upon the lives of the people that he wants to minister to. See, we are members of the same body. And your body functions at its best when every member of your body is working together in harmony. Well, we are all members of his body, of his flesh and of his bone. We all have our own part to play in the body of Christ. We have our own function in the body of Christ, a different function, each and every one of us, just like the body has different members that function differently, but they work together to get a specific job done. Well, the Bible teaches us that we, well, He is the head from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that by whichever joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So we see the body working together so that whatever is being done in the body of Christ can be effective. And Paul wanted these people who had a place in the body to pray or strive for him in prayer, laboring in prayer. In other words, against the forces of darkness so that his work can be effective, so that he can come to them with joy. Well, here in Daniel chapter 10, we begin to see what takes place in the realm of the Spirit when we begin to come against the forces of darkness. See, if, if we don't know this or understand this, you can do it by faith until you get a result. But many times if we can see what's taking place and what's happening, it inspires us to get in there and persevere until an answer comes. Now here, Daniel, in the third year, verse 1, of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel whose name called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and, under, and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Notice, I was mourning three full weeks. See, we like to get to the result, but too often times we don't see what was put into it, what's behind the scenes to get the result. Many times we'll see things happen in a service and we'll say, glory be to God, wasn't that beautiful? Yes, but many times we don't see what is going on behind the scenes to get those results when we gather together. The intercessors that are out there praying. See, we're a people that are too led by appearance. We get together and we think that happened just because God moved just now. No, no, that was born or birthed or given birth to in prayer before it ever happened out here in this sanctuary. And Daniel was praying for three weeks, mourning for three weeks. He said, I, he describes his partial fast. I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three full weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, his face as the appearance of lightning, his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. 
Now, I want you to see here is an individual who's giving himself in prayer. Fasting, praying, and striving, struggling. Such a way that at the end he was all worn out. But let's go on and read. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep and on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me up upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day. Everybody say the first day. That thou didst set thine heart to understand. Number one. Set thine heart to understand. I want you to notice that Daniel set his heart to understand. If we don't make a decision to set our heart to understand, we're not going to get anything. We're not going to understand. But when an individual will set his heart to understand, then God's going to begin to move. Well, from the first day that Daniel did set his heart to understand, and the chasten himself. Notice this, chasten himself. Before thy God. Now, not only did he set his heart to understand, but he also chastened himself before the Lord, that your words were heard. The first day his words were heard. And I am come for thy words. Now, the first day he prayed, his words were heard, and the angel was sent the first day because of his words. Everybody got to see this. The angel came for Daniel's words. It wasn't chance that he came. I want you to know that this angel came because of Daniel's words. But then we see something else here in verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. See, that proves he came the first day. But for one and twenty days, when he came from heaven and he entered into this upper atmosphere right here, the first layer of the heavenlies, and the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, wicked spirits in heavenly places, spiritual darkness of this world. That's talking about that layer or that atmosphere that's up there. We see that when he was coming down, we see he had a confrontation or a conflict with this prince of Persia. Or the kingdom of Persia. Withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, I want you to see that there was a warfare going on. Not only do we employ the powers of God, the divine influences and powers... But also, when you set yourself to begin to pray and intercede, you're going to stir up the kingdom of darkness because that kingdom knows that through the power of prayer, His kingdom will be destroyed in your life. And He knows that when we are serious and sincere before God and set our heart to know and understand and perceive the things of God, how to get somebody delivered or set free or whatever the case might be, He knows 
His time is short and He's going to be defeated. And so what He does is He unleashes or leashes all of His powers to come against you, the prayer. And there's a warfare that begins to take place. He wants to get you away from prayer. Wants to get you off your knees. Wants to get your mind way off of the, the problem. Wants to tell you there's no use in you praying. Forget about it. Don't be concerned about it. Until finally you waver, begin to faint, and you give up. Well, this is something. Here, here Dan, here, here this, eight, this angel's coming with an answer to this man's prayer, Daniel's prayer. But we see a prince... A Persia stopping him. Michael's got to come on and fight the battle and let him go. But it delayed 21 days, the answer that was coming forth to Daniel for that prayer, because of that prayer. Now, I say, I believe this with all my heart, that Daniel stayed persistent in prayer and persevering in prayer until the answer came. And he made up his mind to do it until the answer came. And it was his prayer and intercession that caused that warfare to continue on to take place until that answer came. Had he given up, the answer may not have come. See, it's important we understand that there's a battle out there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, this is very important. The person you're praying for, if it's your husband, if it's your wife, if it's your family member, if it's somebody who's in a backslidden state, I know from an outward appearance it looks like that's the enemy. From an outward appearance, it looks like this is, the, this is the one that's causing all the trouble. But it's not, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. See, those influences are putting the pressure on people, you and me included. That's, they're out there to do it. You might, that's not a negative confession. That's the absolute truth. They're coming against us to get us off our knees, to get us away from prayer. Why do you think when you start to get involved in intercessory prayer, there is so much confusion that seems to come? Anybody ever been there? You try to get a few people together for intercessory prayer, and all of a sudden, all these doctrines start coming together. Where are they all coming from? Fiery darts of the devil. Because, you see, intercessory prayer is dynamic in its working. I want you to see a difference between the prayer of faith for yourself and intercessory prayer. See, too many are not involved in intercessory prayer. You know why? Now, this is important. Because we get so used to getting our need met, we kind of wonder, well, why didn't that person just go off and just do it for themselves? Why don't they just go and learn, learn the Word? But I want you to see something. That becomes selfish. I've learned to contact God for me. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Heal my family. Heal my family. Provide our needs. Provide our needs. That becomes selfish. If I know how to contact the Father, and obviously I am because I'm getting my needs met, well, then I should be able to contact Him for somebody else. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm being selfish. Do you see that? I'm being selfish in my prayer life. And I venture to say this. The more you pray for other people, the less you'll have to pray for yourself. The less you'll be praying for yourself. Your needs will be added, just, just met, added to you because you're praying for other people. Let me, let me say this also. Do you know that striving prayer is not with the Father? Remember I said that not too long ago? That you don't labor or strive against the Father or with the Father? Beloved, if you're His child, He longs to bless you. All you need to do for you is to say, Father, 
Ask and it shall be given unto you. I have need of. And the Father longs to bless us more than we probably desire to be blessed because we are His very own. So you see how easy that is? To get my need met, Father, I just have need of, please, in Jesus' name I receive, and you've got it. It's that simple. We don't have to beg. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to fight. We don't have to fret. We don't have to twist His arm. So the struggling and the striving and the laboring is not with God the Father. And neither is it that way in intercessory prayer. You're struggling and striving with and laboring against the forces of darkness. Just like we see Daniel here. Now Daniel was persistent in his prayer. He stood fast. He held fast. But I want you to see something that's very important. Both with Abraham's intercession and also with Daniel's intercession you're going to see an important ingredient to approaching God in prayer. Did you notice that before Abraham began to really intercede and commune with the Father, when he began to bargain, if you want to say it that way, he says, Oh, Lord Almighty, I'm but dust and ashes. Oh, and would I commune and talk with you about this matter that you've decided to do? He says, I, I know that you know, you're the God of all the world, but you know what? I'm a man in, in, in the, but dust and ashes, but... Is, is it okay if I talk with you about this thing? Pre-adventure, there'd be 50. I like the way you just snuck that right in. Pre-adventure. Act of humility. Act of humility. The Bible says in James chapter 4, Humble yourself before the almighty hand of God. Draw nigh unto God and God will... Will what? Draw nigh unto you. Draw, how do I draw nigh unto God? Important. How do I draw nigh unto God so that God could draw nigh unto me? Daniel just told us how. Abraham just told us how through humility. Humble yourself before the almighty hand of God. Submit yourself to Him. Humble yourself unto Him and draw nigh. I want you to notice that in Second Chronicles 7.14, don't have to turn to the Scripture, but it says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves... Stop right there. Don't put them together yet. If they will humble themselves and pray. See, prayer isn't humbling yourself. I'll give you an example. Go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. If they will humble themselves... You know you can pray without humbling yourself? Did you know that? Luke 18... And verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Lifted up. What's he talking about? God said, you humble yourself, I'll lift you up. Matter of fact, go to James, fourth chapter, and we'll see it right there. 
It's not bringing God down. It's God lifting us up. Daniel mourned. In other words, he humbled himself. He humbled himself through fasting, through prayer. First of all, through fasting, getting before the Father's presence, denying himself, and then he began to pray. Look at the fourth chapter, verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The word resist means he stands against the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. What's he, why do he say that? Because the devil, he's talking about pride here. That's exactly how that man went. When that man went into the Father's presence with a sense of pride, God resisted him, stood against him, withstood him. He said, resist the devil, resist that pride, humble yourself before God, and he, the devil will flee from you if you resist the devil. Draw nigh to God. Now notice this. How do I draw nigh to God? Through humility. I must humble myself. God will not humble us. I humble myself. I get in fasting and whatever you want to do, fast. Now that doesn't just mean food. You can fast many things. But it's a type of self-denial where you're denying yourself. You're humbling yourself before God. Just acknowledging the fact like that sinner did this is I don't have power to get my sins forgiven. It doesn't matter how righteous uh, we may seem to appear appear to be on the outside. It has nothing to do with it. Our righteousness has nothing to do with what we do in the flesh. Do you know that? We've taught that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're not righteous in ourselves. But we're the righteousness of God in Christ. And I approach Him, you know, on the basis of my righteousness... But I don't approach him saying, well, you know, Father, I fast and pray and I do this and I do that. And I give tithes and I do this. Your prayers aren't going to be answered on that basis. When you come and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And I come into your presence and you humble yourself. Through fasting. Prostrating yourself. In many cases, we'll see that that's a part of it. But whatever. Not going there with pride. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn. That's exactly what Daniel did. Now, it's important we understand this. Be afflicted and mourn. In Isaiah chapter 58, we're told that God has a perfect way of our fasting. We saw the, the Israelites back there fasting and afflicting themselves or humbling themselves. is exactly what the Hebrew word means there about afflicting themselves. They begin to afflict themselves before the Lord or humble themselves before the Lord, but the motive behind their doing it was wrong. And as they were afflicting themselves and mourning, we found out that he said in Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 6, they didn't get anything. And they says, where is it now that we would come before thy presence and we would afflict ourselves and mourn and you won't even answer us? Well, God resisted the proud. Their motive was wrong. The reason why they were in God's presence was wrong. Presence was wrong. And he says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? And he begins to explain the Lord's way of fasting. To break the bonds of wickedness. To let the captives go free. To have somebody delivered from their heavy burdens. And he goes on to explain the proper way to humble yourself before the Lord, to afflict yourself or to mourn before the Lord. You're going there on the behalf of somebody else. When you go there to get your prayer answered, beloved, you don't need to do that. This will bless you. 
You don't need to mourn and beg and do all that before God because all you need to do is say, Father, in Jesus' name. Do you see that? That's all you need to do. But when it comes to praying or interceding for somebody else on the behalf of somebody else, we're involved in getting into God's presence for that individual, so we're going to come into God's presence on that person's behalf. And he said that if we'll do it properly, then our light would break forth as the morning. Our health would bring forth speedily. The glory of the Lord will be our rear reward. Re-reward. And the power of God then would be made available unto us so that we can help others that are in need. Notice, you're fasting and praying to set the captives free and let the people that are heavy burdened and laden to be, you know, free from their burdens. And he says, notice this, your light shall break forth, your health shall spring forth, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Imagine that. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble and that's the grace he's giving. We'll see that in a minute. Let's finish this. Be afflicted and mourn, verse 9. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness and humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. That's exactly what that being did to Daniel. Lifted him up. Didn't he? Daniel was on his face, but he spoke and lifted him up. He says, I'm come for thy words. See, the... the, the um, Cornelius did the same thing before he was saved. His prayers went before God as a testimony unto him. His almsgiving in his prayers. And God saw that he was a humble man. And through humility comes honor. Go back to Isaiah 58 and I want to show that exactly in a clear way. Exactly what I was talking about. Isaiah 58. And look at, well, let's start with verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God, they ask of me ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Notice this approaching to God. Approach to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted or humbled our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. It is, is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Now this is important. You're, you want to intercede for that loved one of yours. But if you go there with the attitude that you're going to go there so that your life can be better... So you can be proven right. So it'll be easier for you. If that's the attitude that we have, it's not a proper way to approach the Father. That is a selfish way to approach the Father. But he says here, if you're going to go and come into my presence and approach me and fast and, and humble yourself so that you can loose the bands of wickedness, so you can undo the heavy burdens, so you can let the oppressed go free, 
and that you break every yoke, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that you cast uh, and, and cast to thy the poor that are cast out of thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy, then shall thy, then shall your light break forth as the morning, and your health shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re reward. Then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer, and thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke and putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then thy light shall rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday, and the Lord, sh and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make thy fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. See the proper way to do it. That's the proper way to do it. I believe we become so religious in these areas that, that you know, we're, we're doing these things. We're trying to beg and fast and pray just to get God to do something for us. And you don't need to do that. All you need to do is pray the prayer of faith for you. See, to get your need met, you just have to say, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Father knoweth we have need of all these things. And He's delighted to, to meet our needs. But when you give yourself over to doing this for somebody else, because they're not involved in the will of God... Then he says, all these things will happen to you. You know why those are going to happen to you? Because when you're like he's describing right here, your light is breaking forth as the morning. Your health has sprung forth speedily. The power of God is being poured in, into you and out of you in a dynamic way. Guidance is coming from the Spirit of God so that you can, I believe that you can move, you know, quick, more quickly in the realm of the Spirit so that you can get better results. See, all these things are happening as a result of our doing what? Humbling ourselves before the Lord. Not being selfish and wanting to get our own prayers answered. But going before the Lord to get other people involved in His will. That's what Epaphras was doing. It. Paul asked them to do it for him. And Paul was involved in doing it himself. I want you to also see something else. And then, well, we're not going to have time to do that, but... Hmm. I wanted, I wanted us to get into an example as to how we're going to do this for somebody, let's say a, a, a lost loved one in your life or a family member and just give an example as to, as to what to do. See, you, you just can't put it down one, two, three, four, five, six, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You've got to have your own personal relationship with the Father and you've got to understand what the Word says about all this. And you've got to come to the Father's presence and approach Him in a proper way, with the right motive, with the right heart motive. Notice Abraham wasn't there communing with himself. Notice the uh, Pharisee was. Notice Daniel wasn't there communing just for himself. He was holding back the forces of darkness until the answer came so that Israel can be delivered from their bondage. You see his approach to God, what it was for? If it was for himself, his need would be met. When Actually, when Daniel was even cast into the lion's den, God just was there to meet his need. And he wasn't there for 21 days. But we see here, it was just overnight. But you see here, when he's interceding for somebody else, see that there's a struggle, a warfare that's going to go on. Because you see, the devil has more leverage. May I say it that way? The devil has more leverage in somebody's life who's not walking in the will of God. Especially if they're unsaved in his, in his territory. The devil has more leverage over that person's will in life. 
And what you begin to do by doing this is you begin to hurl back those forces of darkness by praying against them. And then you employ the power, the divine power of God and supernatural intervention begins to take place and begins to go so that the light can shine upon that person's mind and they can receive the glorious light of the gospel. Now you've got to be like Daniel also. You can't just do this and say, I'm going to do it for a day or two. You've got to be persistent. You've got to set your heart, make a decision to set your heart to understand and to know what God would have you to do to get this person's need met. And then you've got to get into that realm of the Spirit, humble yourself and begin to do it and don't give up and say, I'm not giving up. I'm just going to continue to do it until I get guidance and direction. Notice he says, then your guidance is going to come to you. And you know, you know, you'll know exactly what to do. Well, I believe this is the reason why many don't you know, get it. They don't get the help that they need. They don't get the direction that they need because they just go for a while and that's it. But you see, perseverance, perseverance, perseverance is part of prayer. To persevere in prayer. Well, we're not going to be able to do it. Let's look at the 13th verse and we'll close it here. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath of delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him not doing thine own ways. See, part of fasting is giving up your own way. Self-denial, giving up some things of, your, of pleasure that are for yourself. See, nor finding thine own pleasure. Now notice this also. This is so very important. Nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thy delight thyself in the Lord... And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Well, let's just, we won't get this on tape, but let's just, let's just do this. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.